Well, good morning. Uh, oh, good morning, Dan. How, How are, are you? Today? How are you doing today? Oh, good. I'm getting pumped. Getting pumped. Are you pumped up? I'm pumped. Which part of you? Uh, the part that uh, likes to likes to sing along with uh, Charlie XCX's hit "Super Love." Super Love. You want me to do it again? Yeah. Sure. Do you want to do you want a verse or a chorus? That was a chorus. You want a verse? Do the verse because your whiskey wasted and beautiful dancing through the fire. You're such a vision to see. And it goes because claps. Doing pretty good, pretty good. Listening to some Super Love, listening to some Yellow Tango, listening to some Flaming Groovies. I was listening to music. This is a big change for you. Mm, how's that? Because you usually don't you don't play uh, you don't listen to music or play songs or whatever. No, no. I like to just be very still. I like to just have a moment with my thoughts. I like to collect my thoughts. Medi- Not meditation. Whatever the opposite of preparation is. <laughs> I guess throbbing anal pain. Whoa. No. How is uh, San Francisco? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, where everyone's very excited about the election. And um, the weather's kind of all over the place, which is a nice change. How are things in your neck of the woods? We've got uh, some flash flood warnings <clears throat> that mm-hmm. start tonight about 6 uh, p.m. You, uh, you do anything special? Any special meal preparation or anything for that? I'm not in the lowlands. So mm. I don't really have a concern about that. But you said no, you didn't want to talk about the elevator thing. What? The elevator thing. The if you're not in the, what, if, what is, so are you in the highlands or the midlands or do you self-identify as a certain land? Uh, yeah, we're in what's called hill country where mm. I am. Yeah, it's beautiful. Got probably like farm, farmland. Got a lot, you, uh, lay out some corn. Yeah, corn. Mm-hmm. Put up some hay. Maize. Maize. <laughs> so you said no to the buttons you don't want to hear about the elevator and the buttons charlie xcx she doesn't have an e at the end of charlie it's it's like charlie charlie xcx <laughs> nothing i can do to avoid this is there no no we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to talk about it I just Dan, tell it... me about uh the time you found blood on elevator buttons well this is just it's a question i don't understand how that how that happens how that's okay because we all have several pints of blood coursing through our veins, and sometimes it comes out through cuts, right? Punctures, wounds. It could be. It could be. Uh, but it's all over a, the buttons, right? So, so hmm. I would at least leave it off if I if I did that. Maybe they didn't realize it. That's the part that makes me the most nervous. Why? You just you're worried about contagion. You just think it's gross. That's one thing I'm worried about. Yeah. I mean, is this like where you work? You saw this? Yes. In our, in the, uh, we have a parking garage that, uh, you have to use the elevator to get to your, well, you don't have to, I suppose you could walk the flights, but most people use the elevator and you're in there and there, there's blood on the buttons and I saw it on the outside button and I didn't, you know, I didn't think much of it. I didn't like it. I didn't think much of it. And then, uh, then I saw it on the inside interior button too. If I were bleeding and I'm not saying that I am. But if if I were, I would, and maybe this is my own personal body shaming, so shame on me for shame, but uh, I would be self-conscious about bleeding on an elevator button, but, you know, I don't carry a handkerchief. So I guess you could track it down. You could try and, is it is there a drip, drip, drip pattern, or it's just, it's one isolated drop of blood on an elevator button? It was sort of smudged. It was as if, if you imagine that your thumb was the the finger that was bleeding. Thumb is a finger, right? Mm-hmm. And a digit. Like an emeritus finger. A, di- a digit. And you Head went jump. and you hit it, and, and then you hit the other button on it. 
Hmm. And then later you realize, oh man, my thumbs have been bleeding all this time. Like you're not, you're not going to go back and clean it. But if I'm going in the elevator the next day, then I'm going to clean it. So did you end up wiping it off? No, I tried not to touch it. Mm. Touch around it. Yeah. Geez, I don't know, Dan. Um, I don't know. You might want to get that place checked out. Has there been any gunplay that you're aware of? No, no, nothing like that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe it's a lamp to keep a reptile warm. Someone else know. tweeted me about that. Just uh, no, I, I'm looking. I'm looking it up now. Uh, someone tweeted me about that last night. That they're experiencing the same thing. And the, the guy put up a picture and he says, "Look, look this is what I'm seeing next door." And the, he's got a neighbor across the street with a red light on. I think there's probably a pretty plausible explanation. It's got to be I, lizards. I don't think it's like a grow lamp or anything. Nobody, uh, you're not going to see any weed growing up in the in the farmlands, <laughs> the high, the midlands, the upper deck, as mm-hmm. we call it. Yeah, the upper deck. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's pretty gross. I don't like seeing blood around. My kid has become uh, one of those people that's not crazy about seeing blood. How was Halloween? Speaking of kids and blood. Halloween was great. We had a fantastic Halloween. How about you? Very, very good? good. Yeah, very Ours good. Ours was fantastic. It was great. School was great. After school, trick-or-treating was great. We really nailed it. And, you know, the thing is, uh, it was l- looking like the deck was stacked against us because there was supposed to be, there's a lot of rain uh, during the day, and it looked like it was going to be rainy all night, but it turned out great. We totally nailed it for where to. We had dinner with her trick or treating friend and uh, their family, and we n- got totally got a table. We totally got in before the uh, in the early days of the trick or treating, so it was not congested. And the line for the haunted house was too long, so I was really glad we got to go home early because I do not like a haunted house. What don't Never you like about that? Any of it? I just the whole the whole idea of a place where you would go. And people from a local Kiwanis would try to make you scared is not appealing to me. I'd rather just give them some money and be left alone. <laughs> you would, you'd pay to not have to go in. It's like, eh, I'm doing a fun run. We assign this sheet. Can I just give you $5? You know, uh, can I just not be scared by a guy who's in Kiwanis? Her He's costume, cut- though. Wow. Wow. Oh, you saw that? Yeah. yeah. She was a Harry Potter character, and she, she looked really good. Really good. It was good. It was good. And it's, uh, I don't know, I think there's a, there's a natural... Um, a uh, sense of fraternity amongst everybody who's dressed in the same kind of uh, costume that you are, you know. So you get a little, you get a little, you know, head nod from the other Harry Potter people. Oh yeah. And so, so she uh, and her friend, my my kid was Hermione Granger, and her friend was Harry Potter. And it's a girl. She was really cool looking. And then there were other Harry Potters throughout the school. This year there were a lot of Elses. And there were a lot of Marvel, like there were Iron Men's, mm-hmm. there were Captains America, there <laughs> were, what else was there a lot? Oh my gosh, a lot of like, is Power Rangers still on TV? Yeah, there's uh, all kinds of, they come out with a new version of it for, uh, every couple of years. That's probably smart. You know what's great about that show is it's uh, the I-18N as they call it. It's very easy to make different versions of that show for different international markets. Because mostly you got people in masks doing kung fu, yep. and it's very easy to do the ADR on that. And so uh, that's good. There was a lot of those, a lot of rain, Power Rangers. Given the fact that the night before our local sports team had won the baseball uh, tournament, yep. uh, there was a lot of kids dressed as uh, baseball players, which is cute. And I got to tell you, can I can I continue? Yeah, I mean it's your show and talk about sports. I don't care. We had a few clowns. Ooh. Like kid, I, kid clowns or adults? I, I assume they're kids. They were small people. 
one of the children <laughs> it's had, could be creepy. See, I don't, I don't know who comes up with this. Like you see, you see people, and I've certainly been guilty of this to an extent. But you see kids doing things that are clearly a little too clever by a half. Something where their parents said, "Oh, look, I'm gonna, you know, dress you as, uh, you know, uh, Pascal's wager, or something like that." You know, because you want to, you want to be, you know, have your friends think you're really clever. But in this case, I guess the kid chose this. It was a light-up clown mask. It was a clown, a oversized clown head with various lights that would light up inside of it. And I just, I just don't understand the thought process that gets you to the Halloween store when you go, I want the light-up clown head. And so I was standing there with my daughter's teacher, and I said, uh, I got to tell you something. I'm going to be 48 years old this month. I don't know anybody who has ever actually been into clowns. There are some people who are not horrified by clowns, but I don't know anybody who's ever gone, oh, clowns, that'd be a fun theme. Or like they prefer the company of a clown. Yeah, the company of a clown. I mean, the clown's obviously got secrets. The clown's got a lot of internal pain. The clown's got a reason, you know, for that big smile. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know, it's just weird. It's weird. (laughs) I mean, the clown used to be kind of a classic costume. I think John Wayne Gacy kind of scotched that for everybody. And now you see a child walking down the hallway, go, okay, oh, Elsa, Elsa, Power Ranger, baseball, Pascal's Wager. Ah, light up clown. Did you get any clowns this year? No, I didn't see a single clown, fortunately. But um, I'm... I remember, did you ever go to the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus as a kid? Mm-hmm. Sure. The most terrifying part of that for me was when the clowns would come out and grab a kid and bring him out into the, you know, into the, the, the rings, you know, and take yeah, him and down. The, and, the, and, the, and the clown business, they call that simulated abduction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I loved it because the clowns brought so much joy getting out of the car. They're all get how, how did so many fit in the little car? Why, 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 why are they dressed like that? Why are they dressed like that? And, but then, they have to hide? but then they would come out and they'd be like, Hey, start getting kids. Mm-hmm. And that was always <laughs> a very nerve wracking because on the one hand, like I just wanted to like that part of the circus because it was, cr- look what they're doing. They're like, juggling. It seems like it should be fun. Yeah. But then they might get you. And I'd be like, uh-huh. dad, 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 I don't want to go if they come get me. He's like, they're I not, they're not going to come that's up how here. They, that's how they get other clowns, probably. It probably starts out as a child who went to the circus for whatever reason, mostly for free food. I think the way you get a kid to go to the circus is the promise of unhealthy food. The elephants are, are a nice strap-on for that. But I think, by and large, they're there for the circus peanuts nonsense. So you get a kid, they go there, they have no idea, they're unprepared, they don't have a small bag packed, they're abducted by a clown, they're taken into the tiny car, and, and led into the clown lifestyle. This is the kind of thing we should be voting on today. We should have referenda. On Did we this. ever talk about the dark walrus? Uh, I don't think we've ever talked about the dark walrus. This is where somehow a walrus, I don't know when this chain starts, but at some point, instead of eating fish or whatever, I guess a walrus, um, mussels, clams, whatever a walrus normally eats, somehow, and you can Google this, somehow yeah. they get, they wind up eating another wal- walrus in some way. I don't know how, but is then it they, on purpose, I don't is think it's, on, there, there's like scarcity of food. So they end up eating, eating their pal. It, yeah, it could be that. But what happens is the dark walrus then will go and f- either find like a lost walrus cub or take one, like abduct one from a, a mom walrus. And it will teach it the ways of the dark walrus and start it eating the the walrus meat and then in turn it now has like a a sidekick that will then turn to, to the dark side and be a dark walrus and then eat other walruses wal walrus eye 
And they, and they and they pass that on to other walrus yeah, eye as and they keep the chain into the dark walrus system. They keep the chain going. Oh man, this is something real. I'm not making this up. You can't make something like that up. Why would you? No, I, you know stories like that freak me out. Like you know, like the stories like they, like uh, Barry Allen was mentioning on the Flash. I think it's a true story about those. There's like certain insects that'll like you know it's kind of like the way the cat dander works, where you can like lay your eggs inside of something and make it a zombie, and then it gets eaten by something else. And you know, there's all those kinds of weird things in nature. Yeah. And I, I think I wonder if it's a similar thing. It's so that's not, that's not genetic. It's something where once you once you get the taste of a fresh dark walrus, then now you're on board. You, yep. It's been passed on to you like a Walking Dead type situation. That's exactly right. Huh? How do you how do you break the chain of the dark walrus? I don't I don't know if you can. I don't think you can. Kind of like a cult, but they're I mean, alone. Like walrus are usually. I think they usually have you know they they have a little friend. They have friends. This walrus is on its own, always on its own until it takes a. A little concubine or whatever. Lone, lone wolf, dark walrus. Yeah. Does it now in, in a concubine? Is it looking for another dark walrus, or will it accept a light walrus? No, it has to make it makes it into the dark walrus. It grooms it. Grooms it. And this is happening literally, literally anywhere where walruses right? live. As we speak, they're grooming dark walruses. I'm googling a dark walrus right now. Mm. I I didn't know about this. This is this is all new to me. Did you see the preview for that movie Tusk? No. What's up? Oh my god, it's very Tusk. that's weird. It's got the guy um from TV and he's doing a movie. He's a podcaster who interviews people and then he, he goes traveling and he interviews one guy who turns out to be completely insane and poisons him and uh starts turning him into a walrus. Oh. Sounds that's like podcasters do. I'm just I'm, <laughs> Sounds I'm like just kind of movie. Um, just trying to glean what I can from this one page on Google. It looks like it's got the guy from the uh, Apple commercial, yeah, and the, yeah. the kid, the kid from the Sixth Sense who looks like he's about sixty now. And and who gets turned into a walrus? <laughs> the uh, in a wheelchair. The is a podcaster in a wheelchair. Well, he gets well, put that's in one a of the great cor- uh, Morrissey singles, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Often they say that thin is in, and then the podcaster spin and spin, spin and spin, la la la. <laughs> Tusk. <laughs> I have a cold. I have another cold. Haley Joel Osment, Genesis Rodriguez, and Ralph Garman as the Canadian detective. Mm-hmm. Rated R. Tusk. <laughs> That's coming to theaters. Uh, oh, it's already coming in theaters. It's, it came in theaters uh, since September. It's directed by Kevin Smith. That's probably the guy from the podcast. Yeah. Oh, he's the titular podcaster. He's Tusk. Mm-hmm. He and is he's the, the guy Tusk. that, uh, he, he was the silent Bob guy, right? Who likes the, uh, the Star Wars video store movies and he uh, does that. Okay. Got it. Got it. Kevin Smith. I never really got my hands around Kevin Smith. Never quite found where he belongs in the Pantheon. I think I missed, I missed a generation with Kevin Smith. I am People not seem a Kevin to Smith enjoy thing. his movies. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. He was, he's the one who chased Amy, right? Yes. Okay. Did you like that movie? Never saw it. Never saw it. I, I, I don't, I, I'm trying to think what, uh, I've never seen the porno movie. I, I don't think I've seen Clerks. I don't see uh, Jay and Silent Bob chased Amy or whatever it was called. Red State. There's one called Red State. Yeah, no, I, I got a lot of catching up to do here. Maybe I should start with Tusk. And it, it turns people into walruses. Interview an old man with an incredible past. Only discovered the man's dark secret involves a walrus. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, back to the clown thing. Yeah. 
they're weird. No, no clowns this year. Um, a lot of superheroes like you saw. Yeah. A lot of superheroes. My son, of course, thankfully is so into Star Wars now that everything is now framed in terms of Star Wars. Everything. Wow, really? We we, we had that a little bit. That's it's so interesting that he was not into it for so long, and now he's uh, he's all the way in. Oh yeah, all the way in. And it's so it's amazing because he's taking this to to many different levels. He's taking it to you know, like I said, he crossed the line into Legos. You know, like now everything is a Star Wars Lego. Any chance he gets to, he wants you know, like we don't we don't we go trick or treating because it's fun. But we don't, you know, they eat a few pieces of the candy and then they trade the rest of them for cold, hard uh, cash money. So mm-hmm. we pay them like a quarter per piece of candy or whatever. So at the end of the, 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 the till winds up being in the 10 to $15. Hang on, hang on, back up a minute. You, you're, you, so in order to discourage the eating of the sugar, you uh, compensate him? Yeah, he gets, he, they, well, they both do. Although MJ doesn't real, she's not really getting the concept of money at age three quite yet. She just knows that, they don't get, they don't get, to, yeah, because we don't want them to eat all that kind of crap. So. Yeah, no, no, I totally, I totally, I totally understand. So they that's trade like, That's it. interesting. And, and do you feel like it's effective? Yeah, because he gets Legos. That's true. Wow. That's, Le- that's, Lego toys and blocks for our European listeners. Quid pro quo, Clarice. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So he trades it up and, you know, it winds up 25 cents per piece of candy. He winds up with uh, almost darn near 15 bucks. Wow. That's, and you can get one of those, uh little nice size little sets for that yeah yeah like a smaller medium that's size that's my favorite that's my favorite size set you can really right. get, you know wrap your head around it i got my uh daughter for her birthday i got her um uh i think it's the first one of those lego creator sets we've gotten i'm not sure but i guess i never quite got what that means but it's awesome it's a house and you can make three different kinds of houses with it oh so yeah. we made all three houses and uh, it's great it's got a sliding glass door it's got a nice uh nice nice exposure you can make a windmill. Oh wow! You can uh, grill a wiener. It's really cool. And now, I mean, that was worth. That was so worth the money. I mean, like you know, the Lego Movie ones are fun, but they're extremely specific. It really is more like model building in that case. Oh right, right. But uh, so so he's still into the Legos. Very much, very much into them. And uh, and and so you know, he was able to to get one of those. But it's all everything Star Wars now. Everything is Star Wars now. And he's gone. And so over the week, and and because Star Wars. This all goes back to the Lego, uh, Lego Star Wars game on mm-hmm. the iPad, which led to building Star Wars Legos, which led to an interest in the movies, which has now is getting the Halo effect into, wait a minute, who's this Indiana Jones guy? Oh, really? So now, of Han Solo. Yes. So now Indiana Jones is a, becoming a, a big thing now. And then he's like, you know, the music in this... Sounds like the Star Wars. Yes, it does. So now John Williams is is uh, in the in, in the thing. Listening to now, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. All of these other like all of this sort of Spielberg, Lucas, Williams, Jaws connection is is happening. Isn't that interesting? It's fascinating. And he, he would have no context for that except kind of discovering it on his own. Right. That's that's super interesting. And but he has seen like the episode four. Yeah, he's seen them all. Yeah, that's cool. That's super cool. Yeah, the, the my I think I told told you this, but my daughter's like that now with Hunger Games, where <laughs> that's we can't, I saw. Yes, yes, the Hunger we, we Games. Can't, we can't really show that to her. No, I mean she's seen lots of PG thirteen movies, but that one's it's that's personal. I mean it's you know, but she's very into it. We've been reading the book a little bit. 
and we watched the trailers over and over. But, you know, I mean, that, that's kind of what life was more like when we were kids, is you didn't have, like, direct access to those kinds of things. Even if Star Wars was a movie you could get to, like, you couldn't just go see it on demand. You would get into, like, I mean, gosh, oh my gosh, it's on the cover of Time magazine this week, or there's an article in TV Guide. Like, that was a really big deal. Like, just having proximity to some kind of a franchise that you love was, like, such a big deal. Because you didn't have, you know internet style access to right it. it's so it's so amazing that we can be sitting there on a sunday and you know what let's watch a movie which one do you want to watch just that is pretty I know, amazing i know <laughs> and, and i know it i know be totally indiana Those jones games are pretty good. we got the harry potter game we got the harry potter logo game and it's uh it's pretty good are we um am i am i jittery am i coming through okay sound good to me all right good um why don't you tell me about something you like i would like to tell you about casper which uh has really changed the entire mattress world uh this is the deal. They're an online retailer of mattresses, but they sell them at a fair fraction of the price. They've completely changed this industry. Why? Because you know what? The reality is we pay way too much for mattresses in the stores. They're, they should not cost that much money. And Casper has figured this whole thing out. They make a one-of-a-kind mattress. It's a, it's a hybrid mattress, not a human-alien hybrid but a hybrid mattress that combines uh, latex foam with memory foam. And I've been one of these people who's like, listen, I do not like memory foam. I've laid on the memory foam mattresses. Uh, we, were, we stayed on vacation where these people had these memory foam mattresses. Worst vacation of my entire life. Hated it. Uh, made my back incredibly bad for weeks after that. And so when they're like, oh, we've got this great mattress. It's got the memory foam in it. It's, I'm like, I, I don't think I can talk about this. Because they said, listen, we'll send you out a mattress. You don't like it. You know, obviously don't, don't, we won't, we won't expect you to work with us. It's not like a memory foam mattress. I just have to be clear. This feels in every way like the most comfortable, regular mattress that you've ever had. Except it's, for, it really is luxurious. Oh my God. It's amazing. It's so comfortable. And you would have, it doesn't have, you know, how, like an older mattress, you can feel the springs in it. There's no springs in this. And when they ship it to you, this is the most amazing part. It's curled up like a little Nautilus. Mm -hmm. And you, uh, you, they give you a little tool that you use. It's like a letter opener tool. You go zoop right across the, um, the little sort of bag wrapping that it's in. And it expands out from this tiny little box into like this giant mattress. And it is so comfortable. It makes and, a cool sound too. It sounds like an elderly, elderly, elderly relative relaxing in a chair. It goes, which is a lot nicer than it actually sounds. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, it, just the right sink, just the right bounce. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not one of these mattresses that, that you just fall into and, and it, it rolls. It's ama they're amazing. And they do very, very cost effective. 500 bucks for a twin size, 750 for full, 850 for queen, 950 for king. And you're like, how, how great could an, a mattress that's under? Because if you go to the store and you shop for this stuff, King mattresses are several thousand dollars. These things are amazing. And here's the deal. They give you a hundred days to try, try it out. Free delivery, painless return. If you don't like it in a hundred days, you can send it back. They're made in America. We're going to, we've been working with them $50 off toward any mattress. If you go to casper.com slash back to work. Casper, just like the ghost, casper.com slash back to work. And that will get you 50 bucks off. Merlin, you have one of these things. You're sleeping yep. on this. 
I am. I am. I like it a lot. It's, I, I've, um, boy, there's so many things in life that can be really joyless. And, and I find bed shopping, mattress shopping, it's one of those things. It's like buying a car where you're like, you walk in there and you're like, I'm just, I'm just waiting to figure out, you know, it's not, it's not probably, it's probably gonna be a month until I figure out exactly how I was screwed in this purchase. And it's not fun. And they all seem the same. This could not be any simpler. It's very easy to deal with. And if you live somewhere, like, especially if you live in a big city, I mean, the idea of having this box, this improbably small box that you carry upstairs, you do a little slit, it goes, and now you got a new bed. I mean, how can you beat that? And you don't have to go talk to people in a store and go, go lay on those creepy mattresses. This is, this is your own personal mattress that you're going to have in your home. It's a really good deal. It's true. So go what check do you think it out. They do with the ones that people send back after 100 days. Do you have a sense of that? I think that they must donate them to uh, San Francisco-based homeless shelters. Or maybe like make people could uh, use them to practice like uh, backyard wrestling or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knows? I don't think, to be honest I, I think, with you. I think the listener doesn't need to worry, though. This is, this is, it would not be able to make that sound unless it was a, this was a totally fresh factory to table mattress. Oh, no, it, they're it not really sending them nice. to, to people. No, they're, I don't think they get a lot of <laughs> I returns. Mean to imply that. No, I don't, I don't think they're, they're getting a lot of returns on these. No, I mean, I, I, all I can say is, is what is true, which is like, I sleep on one and I, and I, I really, really like it. It's, uh, I, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's funny. I mean, like the thing is in, in thinking of somebody who's in the market for a mattress though, like just going, oh, this is a nice mattress is, is a good thing to say, but I just want to make it really clear. It's really easy to deal with. <laughs> and if you're like me, that's such a premium. I love something that's very easy to deal with. So yes, this is a fantastic mattress, but it is so easy to deal with. You just bring it up, you open the box and you're good to go. You can go right to sleep. It's fantastic. So go check him out, casper.com slash back to work, 50 bucks off. Try it out. I can't find too much information about the dark walrus. We should put some stuff in show notes. I'll dig, I'll dig into my notes because this it's, is something that's uh, cannibal, cannibal, uh, 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 cannibal run. The, um, there's a little bit of namespace pollution, I think. I think there might be a band called dark walrus. Mm. But anyway, I'll count on you. Um, if you're the, rogue, for notes, the rogue walrus. This is, hold rogue. on, that's what the term is. Oh, it's a rogue walrus. It can't touch his boyfriend. Rogue walrus. Has to wear gloves. Rogue walrus. Yeah, oh. look up rogue walrus. Mm. Walrus oh, live on the clams. Their bodies walrus. are perfectly built so that they can balance on their head, scraping the ocean floor for the tasty mollusks that make up their diet. Okay, mm. but then... Uh, if, if something happens, a motherless animal starves to death, surrounded by food because it does not yet possess tusks. Some orphaned walrus manage to find a horrific way to survive. They become cannibals. They're mm. called rogue walrus. Though, through accident or driven by desperate hunger, they discover that they can kill and eat other seals. Over time, they hone their predatory skills as best they can. Their bodies are not built for agility. They're suited for balancing on their heads and scraping up their dinner from the seafloor. They're not intended for rushing after swift prey. But these mm. rogue walrus do their best to stay alive. These are all their skills to do what does not come naturally to their kind. Because of their diet of flesh and blood, they oh, grow much geez. larger than others of their kind. Oh my God. Their tusks, instead of growing long and curved downward, remain short and curved to either side. Over time, they take on the odor of a meat-eating predator. Hmm. It continues like this for many pages. It changes the way the, the walrus smells? Rage and frustration rule its existence. Ugh. It will never mate or lay with companions on the ice or play with others. That's a lonely life, being a rogue walrus. Seriously. I told you, I wasn't making this up. I'm putting this in the show notes. Go right Is there anything in. else? You got, you got blood on an elevator. Uh, you got a podcaster in a wheelchair. And you got cannibal <laughs> walruses. Anything else in your, in your notes for this week? That's all I got. Okay. 
My goodness me. We had a lot of feedback about the last episode, last couple episodes, the ones you didn't like. Yes. Oh, what do people say? They like, they're very thankful for you and and your advice, especially about, um, well, we got a lot about the negative, positive feedback one, which we had wrong. And then we got a lot of feedback uh, about your advice for my kid running in, in the road. Oh, what do people? I, I hmm, that's funny. I was looking at uh, is this most by a Twitter? I didn't. I didn't uh, give me give me a sense of uh, the kid in the road stuff. What they say? Uh, back to work. It's okay. You can do it from memory. Well, I can't. I can't do it from memory. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. I, I, I hope people found that useful. That's very nice to hear. I'm kind of troubled by this walrus thing. Well, I mean, there's nothing you got to worry about. I mean, I, this is not the kind of thing I think about. I don't even like looking at a light up clown in an no. elementary school. Back to work feedback. Mm-hmm. You you replied to some of these. Okay. Ways of the dark walrus. Hmm. All right, I got a little bit of fake follow-up. All right. Um, let's see. One thing is, finally a little bit ahead of schedule, I will announce that uh, the next Ungainly X-Man meetup is scheduled, uh, and that's going to be Thursday, November 13th at Two Cats Comics in West Portal. Uh, it's actually on West Portal Avenue. Come on out at uh, 7 to 9 o'clock at uh, Two Cats on the 13th. Come out hang out, talk about comics, get a beverage. It's a lot of fun. I'll, I'll mention it next week as well, but I just want to put that out there. Um, gosh, and the night before that is th- three ring binder. So I have to go out twice in the same, uh, the same week. That's a lot for you. It is a lot. I mean, you know, you got to get around, go places. Yeah. No, that's good though. That's good. I, I, go, I go out and I meet people, but two nights in a row, criminy Pete. Mm. I used to do more when I was, uh, when I was a younger man, I think. I'm not, I'm not saying it was any good, but I think I did used to do more stuff. Do you now, find now that it's this, just a laser, light, lightning laser of uh, of activity now? Yeah. Does it take a lot out of you to do it? Like, does it throw you off? Because I I notice if I go to bed like an, a half an hour hour later, that's going to carry over for a couple days before I'm back to normal. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, there's two things. I mean, the one thing is that I I have as I've preached the gospel that I preached on here over the years is that, you know, getting decent sleep really makes a difference. You, you may not notice it's making a difference until you stop getting a good night's sleep and then you go, wow, I really feel bad. But yeah, I mean, there's a, I, I'm going to be up. Yeah. Sometimes I get to sleep in a little later. My wife, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll take care of morning stuff with my daughter, but we're pretty much up at six full stop. Like that's, she's sitting there and she's reading the clock and she's like, okay, it's six, it's time to get up. So that means whenever I go to bed, that constrains like how much sleep I'm going to get. So, you know, who cares, right? Just a dumb old guy thing. But that's, that's the one part. The other part is just everything's, everything's, uh, it feels much more like the a complicated jigsaw puzzle as far as like moving things around. There's different times, there's pickups, there's drop-offs, there's, you know, schedule things that have to be accounted for, uh, which I like by and large, but it does make me a little bit more solitary because, you know, of those constraints. You know, it used to be, my, my main constraint used to be that, you know, you know, I had to be at work at eight, you know, for, right, my, yeah. for my jobby job. But apart from that, and, and, and honestly, when I was younger, I think I could do with a lot less sleep. So, you know, something changed, something, not to just make this a show exclusively about, you know, getting older and improperly rearing our kids, but there is a huge difference that I've noticed in, just in myself really over the last few years where you, you know, I used to be able to, obviously in my twenties, but even in my early thirties, easily bounce back from, oh man, I didn't sleep at all last night or pulled an all nighter at work or whatever. And then, and then you sleep. And if you get a good seven, eight hours of sleep, like you're fine the next day, right? You're fine. Now it's just, there's this carryover and it's amazing to me how 
how two nights of, of staying up too late or two mornings of waking up a bit earlier, like your schedule is now going to get stuck in that. Yeah. You know what I, yeah, I mean? I, I, no, I do. I, I, I do know what you mean and I agree. And it makes me more aware of, I don't know, something I'm, I'm becoming, I'm, I am becoming more aware of, which is the need to have a constant regulation of energy where, you know, it used to be that, you know, yeah, I might have a, this burst of activity in the morning and then I could kind of like phone it in, in the afternoon. But, um, and I mean, I'm not saying this is like that difficult or anything, but you know, it's, it is, it's something, given that it's something I have to do every day or almost every day, it's really incumbent upon me to regulate my energy in such a way that I can be up, you know, and kind of inner, energetic and enthusiastic, like after school and stuff like that, you know? And <clears throat> so, I mean, but, but boy, when I can take a nap, I do, I love me a nap. I, uh, I, I do, but yeah, no, you're right now. I bouncing back for sure. Uh, I, I definitely don't do that as, uh, with as much plasticity as I used to, but, um, yeah, comics, comics come on out. You have a lot of sponsors today, Dan. Did you want to tell me about anything else that you like while we're at it? We do have a whole bunch of sponsors and I think, you know, that's because the show helps people. And I think that Uh the spawn, yeah, the sponsors respond to that. Let me tell you, we've talked about this one. This is a great one. Um, we've been using a so much doodle. Doodle the service? Doodle the service. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I love Doodle. I use it all the time. This is something that it, it is actually, it's a really cool tool. It's super helpful. And it's funny because as we've, they, they've sponsored a handful of shows and as a, there was a couple of hosts that didn't know about it and they started using it. And, you know, I like went to said, oh, hey, can we have a phone call, you know, later this week? And I, they, they hooked it up. They were already using Doodle because they found about, out about it as a sponsor using it. Basically, it's scheduling meetings, which anybody who's tried to schedule a meeting, even with one other person, but with a, a few other people, you know how frustrating this can yeah. be and time-consuming emails it's, going it's, back it's and forth. It's scheduling anything. It's scheduling anything that has to be at a specific time, but requires the assent or consent of like many, many people. And like, if you ever try to do that on your own, that's completely crazy because the more people you get, the more answers you're going to get, the more potential times you've got to throw out and trying to do that on your own is completely crazy. It's like Jason Snell uses it for the incomparable and it works great because you, you have like, you could have five or six people, right? And something like maybe eight or even 10 different day time combinations to do it at. And it, it calculates all of that for you. You just say when you'd like to do it, when you can do it, and when you can't do it. And it does all the math for you and picks the date. I mean, can I steal how, your how thunder? Simple could I steal your thunder no, with that? that's that's exactly right. I mean, that's the best way to say it. You don't have to. You don't even have to like go through registration process. You just select the dates, and uh, and and you're done. And it shows you. Okay, so let's say the four people involved. They all go in, pick the date. You say, okay, good. Everybody's available on these two times. I'll pick that one. And then it handles it. I mean, this is good for business meetings. You use this, oh, you know, because people get busy. It's like, when are we going to go out to dinner? Or when are we going to see that movie? Or whatever. You just put it in there. It's, it's free. Now, you can go, if you're using this a lot in your business, 39 bucks a year, you can use this. And then you get tons of extra uh, features. You get calendar integration, automatic reminders, and, and tons of other stuff. There's like 20 million people using this now. But anyway, it's free. It's Doodle, D-O-O-D-L-E, doodle.com. Or if you're listening to this on your phone or, or Android device, you can. There's a Doodle app you can get, of course. So, uh, so that's it. Go to Doodle.com and uh, and go check it out. They're doing great work over there. And we, this is one of those sponsors where, uh, you know, it, it just makes sense. I think it's perfect. So go check it out. Doodle. Doodle.com. Well, thanks to uh, Doodle.com for supporting Five by Five and Back to Work. I mean, that was a, <clears throat> a joke from the very earliest days of the show. I mean, I was using it when we started doing this show. 
Um, back then, I think it was doodle.ch back in the day. I think they were might have been Swiss or something like that. Oh, right. But um, uh, man, uh, it, it is a natural fit because I actually do really use that. And <laughs> to the point where now it's frustrating to me if somebody tries to do something, you know, any other way. You know, trying to do that with email or text. It's weird. You know. Crazy people out there. I don't know what's wrong with people. Good sponsor. Blood on the elevator. Let's see. I uh, got the X-Men meetup. Oh, also this week, um, um, our good friend uh, Mike Hurley uh, over on the Relay.fm, he had me on, kind of a last minute thing, but I was on his show Inquisitive, Inquisitive, and it was a lot of fun. We talked about all kinds of stuff, including we talked about like the legacy of Inbox Zero, uh, we talked about all kinds of stuff. It was really good. He's doing great stuff over there. Um, bringing back uh, Bionic is being reborn as Bonanza, which I'm very excited about. Oh, so that is in show notes if you want to listen to that. Um, I'm happy for that guy. Um, and so you can find show notes for this episode at 5x5.tv slash B2W slash 194. B2W, Dan. B2W. B, B, B as in Rogue Walrus. Two as in the uh, number? Mm-hmm. You know, I got nothing. I only have one coffee today. Is that what's happening? <clears throat> yeah, I read, I read two, uh, two really good nonfiction books to my daughter, but I, I didn't have time to um, drink as much coffee as I would like. We read... Uh, uh, you, you, ever see that, you ever see that Man on Wire movie? Mm, Bird on a Wire? It's about... Uh, nope, I think you're thinking of Goldie Hawn. Yeah. This is uh, about the guy who strung a uh, cable between the two World Trade Center towers and walked on a tightrope between the two towers. You ever seen that movie? I have not seen that movie. What, oh, it's a really good movie. It's a real Reread. movie? I mean, it's a documentary type? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really good... I think it won. It might have won the Academy Award a few years ago, but uh, we're reading a book about that guy, Philippe Petit. It's really crazy. It's, it's completely bananas. 1974, August 1974, this guy and his friends like basically take 400 pounds of cable up to the top of the World Trade Center, which is not you know, yet completed. And through this crazy, they shoot an arrow across the two towers, pull a line across, pull another line across. And then he, it's, it's incredible. You can go Google it. It's nuts. And he, with a 27-foot like rod to balance, he walks the 100 and something 44 feet between the two towers. Anyway, I'm not sure why I'm telling you that, except to say I didn't have coffee because I was reading that book. Oh, it's a good book. It's yeah. weird, you know, when you when you think about what people do and the thing that it, the things that inspire people to do these kinds of crazy, insane things. And I'm assuming the guy made it, right? Oh yeah. I, I just can't. I just don't understand that. How someone can 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 do that? They're taking the big risk to do it. They're probably going to make it, but. I don't, I don't, that, there's that part of me is, is missing. The part of me that says, take, take some kind of risk that could jeopardize your life and affect your entire family because well, you thought you it was. You could die is, is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, that, yeah, you can stop right there. Like you, there's a really good chance you're going to die. Like falling down that, that building is a quarter of a mile high. Those two buildings. Isn't that amazing to think about? I mean, you know, you think about the track at your high school. If you straighten that track out, that's how high the World Trade Center buildings were. This is nuts. Yeah, super, super interesting. Yeah, yeah, I've thought about that too. Um, as somebody who, I don't know, I'm never quite sure what to think about my my ADD situation, ADHD. But I, I do know that in ADHD diagnosis, there's um, one flavor of it you can have that's kind of about risk taking. That you know, 
And, and actually this week I was reading, I wonder if I can find this article, this article about ADD, that basically the problem with ADD essentially is that everything in life seems kind of uninteresting to you. Well, you know, you're sort of chemically, um, it's not like anhedonia, but basically you're always looking for the next novelty. So risk-taking is, is a flavor of ADD, like people who want to ride a motorcycle or a skateboard. So I'm not saying that this guy had that, but it is, it, you do kind of have to wonder how you could look past all of the, like the sensible adult ideas about like how you should, what you should do to like say like that's how I'm going to spend the night is like going between the World Trade Centers. But I don't know. I think there's something kind of admirable about it. I mean, it isn't that kind of the same kind of personality that gets us on the moon. I don't. Not. I mean, from my standpoint, no. Um, because like I, I feel like. From the state, okay. So my grandfather was a metallurgist uh, by by you know many years of education and then and then by practice of doing it, and he was very much a scientist. He worked for the government designing like anti ballistic metals and alloys and things, so that the tanks that we had in, in at war would better defend the guys inside. You know, like that was that was what he did. But he was involved in lots and lots of different things as a metallurgist. I guess whatever else they do you know, introduced me to the the word tungsten at a very young mm-hmm. age. And yeah. And he was, you know, it was one of these things where he, everything that, that w- a big part of my worldview as a young child was through him as, you know, I was much closer to him than I was my own dad, especially growing up. And he sort of, you know, he operated in using the scientific method uh, across the board, you know, that when he was making a decision to do something, he would he would look at it and he would weigh things out. And I very much learned through that kind of lens or that filter uh, a, a, an interesting perspective on the world and that can I, you know, the world was something that could for them, I'm not talking about poetry and art, but I'm talking about the functioning of the world, right? He taught me that the world was something that could be understood through science, through looking at, at something as a unique and fun problem that you could solve. And you could learn so much about the world if you looked at it that way, because things in the world were were understandable, whether it was, you know, how a bird flies or the way a, a nuclear bomb works or how we can hear a uh, radio in the car while we're driving, like all of these things, you know, these were things that we could understand that, that there was never an, I don't know, that was never an answer. I mean, we might have talked about something that's like, well, science doesn't fully understand it yet, but we're, we're working on it. It's a problem that we're trying to solve. And to me, the idea of exploring the moon or, you know, making a sub that can dive to the bottom of the ocean, we're learning more about the world. And that's, to me, maybe because of my granddad, those seem like valuable goals that why not try to understand the world around us? I just don't put walking across a, a, a rope between two buildings as as a pursuit of, you know, what like I'm not saying there's nothing to be learned because maybe you could learn about the dynamic of winds and rope and stretching and whatever, but it just like I don't feel like we're coming away with anything from that other than there was a guy who wanted to walk between two buildings. What am I missing? Um, I don't know, but like why do you watch sports? Uh entertainment. Right. But I mean that's it's still it's the pursuit of something it's the pursuit of um Pushing the human uh, limits of... I, I guess so. I mean, you know, Gruber has this interesting thing. He's talked about this on the talk show 
it helps me understand his sports fandom better. He talks about how, like in baseball in particular, there's numbers people and stories people, and that he's more of one of the stories people, which I, I get. I get that. That you know that there are some people who are really obsessed with the numbers, and other people who are like looking for oh, you know, the next dynasty or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, I, I part of this is I'm pay- just playing devil's advocate because I'm trying to keep an open mind about about stuff. I mean, personally, I wouldn't do that. I don't have the stones to do that. I don't have the. I would never in a million years try to do that. But I mean, almost everything that eventually ends up being mainstream, let alone science, started out as somebody be doing something that was outside the mainstream. Like, if we didn't didn't have, I mean, we need Berkeley. <laughs> we, no, totally. we we need you know we we need places where people are doing stuff that doesn't make sense to everybody yet. So I I mean yeah I don't I don't personally understand that um, why you would want to do that yourself. I mean I, I, let me put no let me put that differently. I don't understand why I would want to do that. But but when other people do stuff like that, I don't know. I try to be kind of tolerant just because that's how we discover all kinds of stuff. I, I probably watch too many documentaries. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm definitely <clears throat> tolerant of it. Uh, but it, it's, you know, if if somebody said, oh, you know, I, I want to be, and you said, you know, moon, uh, going to the moon or something. Like, to me, that seems like a, a pursuit that I can understand but when it comes, you know, and yeah, there's a huge risk. Like we know space flight and travel. We just we just lost two things last week. We lost the one rocket and then the the other uh, ship that went up. You know, like mm-hmm. that's very dangerous it's stuff still very to risky. do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I think you know there's probably going to get a lot of emails about this. But I feel like those things are probably way more risky than the the guy walking the the rope. But I don't know. I just, whatever that thing is in me that says, do something that's mainly for fun, but is a huge risk. I don't know. That's very, that just puts me off. Like I've never wanted to skydive. I've, I've been up in a Cessna. No, I think is I don't, I don't either, but I'm just, just to clarify, I don't, I don't, I have no desire to do that, but I think I can understand why other people would want to. I mean, and there's an, a big part of it is there's a, for all of these things, there's an element of performance to it. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you feel about something like Banksy? Well, I think Banksy stuff is cool. I mean, but th- doesn't, isn't he kind of a conceptually interesting character? Yeah, very. That, I mean, in the same way that I like, um, what's that guy? Uh, Apollo, I forget the guy's name, but the guy who's like the amazing pickpocket. Have you ever seen that video of like the world's greatest pickpocket? No. He was on... Um, Brooklyn Nine Nine a few weeks ago. He's this. He's this. <laughs> he is. Uh, he's a magician. But Apollo he's, he's mainly, Robbins. Yes, Apollo Robbins. He is primarily like one of the world's greatest pickpockets. And I. I won't even explain it or spoil it for you, except to say if you watch that, watch that. There's a short video of him on the on the Today Show, and I watch that, and I. I don't understand how he's doing what he's doing. Um, and even if you explained it to me. I'll bet you I would still be pretty amazed at whatever he's doing. Um, so, like, am I am I saying that people should go out and be pickpockets? No, but like, he is capable of a performance that that makes me, as somebody who is you know very respectful of science and the you know idea that there are empirical facts we can learn and improve upon, I'm still kind of amazed at somebody who can do something that makes me go, "Wow, mm-hmm. how did you do that? How did Baumgartner get out there on two days rest and throw that many pitches?" Right. He did something that it's one of those things that's very subtle, but like watching somebody like Bumgarner is, um, you know, it isn't like when I was a little kid, I was always looking for the games where there were lots of home runs or lots of big hits, lots of doubles and triples, because that was exciting to watch. I never found pitching that interesting, but now as I get older, I'm much more fascinated 
by like, oh my God, what did that guy's body go through? Mm. I mean, you can, and you look at the numbers on that guy and like he did some things that should not really be possible, but he still did it. Like the velocity, what, what happens to your shoulder and your elbow when you throw something, you know, 95 miles an hour over and over. So I don't know, people like that, I, I have a kind of respect for people who do that stuff, even if it's not like published for research or something. But but then on the other hand, like, you know, I still shake my head at people like skateboarding down steps and stuff like that, I have to admit. There's still that part of me that goes, oh, like, oh, gosh. It would be so nice if you had your body intact when you left your teen years. Like, <laughs> why are you doing this to yourself? I, I admit being an old guy on that stuff. But I'm still fascinated by people who can do something that seems impossible and do it with panache. You know, even though I find magicians frustrating sometimes. Oh, frustrating how? That's a trick a lot of the time. And you're like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> Quit doing magic. You're freaking me out. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's... Well, like the I stuff, know. like I, I, I listened, uh, we've talked about this a little bit. I don't know if you've, I think you said you had, but the, uh, the Steve Martin, uh, Born Standing Up, mm-hmm. yeah, where he talks about starting out as a kid and basically he, he was learned and became a, a magician and sleight of hand and all of that stuff that becomes this amazing, it is very much a, an art form when you think about it, because you're training your mind, you're training your body, you're learning to speak a certain way and move a certain way. And right. these incredibly complicated tricks that, that you do that are, you know, one part uh, social engineering and one part, you know, if manual dexterity and all of the things, the showmanship and everything that goes into that hearing him talk about it. And it's funny because if you go back and you watch some of his movies, um, his movements, especially his hand movements, uh, you, you kind of, I've always had sort of noticed that about him, that he had these sort of pr- particular hand movements and, and gestures and things that seemed uh, precise in an interesting way. And n- learning that he was, um, you know, had been a m- magician and had practiced this, it kind of, it it makes right. sense, you know, like it goes along with it. These things that we learn uh, when we're, when we're kids, the process that we go through of learning these different things, you know, I was never um, an, an athlete. I wasn't especially uncoordinated. I just, it was not anything that, you know, I, I was never very good at sports. And I mean, you know, there, there is this thing where among guys, especially and guys working in an office, uh, you know, all of this stuff that like, it's that thing that you develop this, this reaction where if somebody throws something at you, not at you to hit you with it, but toward you for you to catch it, that you can always tell the kids that played sports and the ones that didn't boys or girls, you know, by this, this sort of built in innate reaction that somebody chucked something at me and my hands just caught it. I didn't have to think about it. It's like if you're ever holding something uh, like a screwdriver and you drop it, your foot will instinctively move out of the way from being underneath this thing that you just dropped. You don't have to think about it. It's like a human reaction. But if you didn't play sports a lot or you weren't very good at sports and somebody throws something at you, your instinct might be to dodge it, even if it's, you know, uh, one of those little squishy footballs or something. Like I, and I always, I do all right. I can kind of catch it, but you know, there's people who would just walk in, you chuck them, so they're just, their hand just catches it. They don't even think about it. And it's amazing how those early childhood experiences, whether you're learning to be a magician or playing sports or the things that people like that take for granted, if you didn't have those, like you don't develop these instincts. And I've, this is something I've been, it's a weird topic, but I've been thinking a lot about that recently of just the idea of what, what we learn as a kid and, and what, Things, how those things sort of set us up 
for the challenges or lack of challenges that we'll have in, in these other areas in our life like later. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about all the different ways sports, especially organized sports or sports fandom can contribute to that. Because on the one hand, I, I really do believe that, you know, gosh, you can just see that like people who have, don't have a lot of direction in their life but get really into sports can develop a lot of character because it takes an incredible amount of character and sacrifice to be really great at sports. There's a lot of stuff you, you know, it helps to have a natural talent, but then to make that any more, to make that something that goes any more beyond something you do when you're 16 or 17 takes a lot of training, a lot of focus, a lot of coaching, a lot of somebody telling you like, okay, well, you've gotten as good as you can get at this one thing. Your body's changing in this way. And now here's the way we need to have you, you know, it's almost like relearning how to play drums or something. It takes a lot of humility and character to be great at that. So, you know, I always think that's interesting. You know, people, it's all, you know, I always feel like this is really a tangent, but like, I always felt like I've really always enjoyed, I've said this before, but I really enjoyed working with people who've been in the military when I had office jobs a lot of the time, because they were, I mean, sometimes they were a little boisterous or a little, you know, cocky or something, but they were team players a lot of the times. And like when it really came to the clutch situation, they would go out of their way to try and be the most helpful and useful and just like, like anonymously useful person in the office in a way that I always really admired that you didn't get from a lot of normal executive types where they wanted to make sure that, you know, that everybody knew that they did something. But, you know, people who've been in the military, there's much more of a sense of, okay, this is the thing we got to go get done. And I found that inspiring as somebody who doesn't have, have that naturally. And ditto for people with sports. But then on the other hand, you know, and again, you're, you're going to get email about this, but the sports culture thing is funny because, you know, you talk about like being somebody where somebody throws you the ball and your inclination is to like, you know, dodge it versus <laughs> turn catch into it. a dive and right. turn into a ball yourself. <laughs> You know, I certainly had that feeling of like, hey, you know, we're going to play softball. You come, come out and play softball. We're going to go play golf. And it's almost like those kinds of sports are like executive cosplay. It's something where we all go out and we act like we're doing a sports thing. And I guess you can, you know, do it a lot. Apparently Obama has, did I hear he, he's golfed 200 times since he became president? Oh, really? I mean, nah, golf, I you can find time for golf. It's a fun thing. But I don't know. I don't know. I am, um, as somebody who's a, who's a, a wimp and a dork, and who has at various times felt actively or passively bullied, I have a natural disinclination toward a lot of things involving physical exertion and authority. So I'm trying to shed that a little bit as I get older and, and learn to respect people who can do stuff like set a world record or steal a wallet, you know, on TV and stuff like that. But it is, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And, and, and finally, I mean, I, I really struggle with, like I said before, I don't want my daughter to have to be weird in the same way I am. I'd like her to get to be weird in her own way. So, you know, she should have the door open to play sports. She's not super into it, um, but I think she could be, you know. And just the fact, I don't want to sit there rolling my eyes all day in a way that makes her think that's not a, something that she can do. I don't want her to feel constrained by the same horizons that I have or have had perceived to have. Do you know yeah, what I mean? No, I totally do. And it's one of these things that, you know, growing up in, in the city, in the city of Philadelphia, it, with the buildings and no real place to do sports or anything like that. And in PE class, you know, this is back in the, you know, at the dawn of time when PE was called gym and you were you in had mats, you had ropes, <laughs> right? You had red, red rubber balls. Yep. And that was about it. Yeah. And like either you were running laps around the thing, uh, or, you know, maybe you were playing dodgeball or, or they were making you climb the, the, the knotted rope. And it was, you know, like it wasn't, it, it was not. And, and then it summer would come around. And somehow all of these kids, maybe because they lived with dads in their house 
and I didn't. Uh, they all knew how to throw a softball. Uh, they knew how to throw and catch a football. And like, I had never learned these things early on. I, I don't know if it's because my, you know, I didn't have a dad that would do that on the weekends or because it just was never that appealing to me or because there were other things that I liked doing. I don't really know. But it was like this huge chunk of, and that's not to say I didn't watch sports on TV. I did. But whatever the connection was that made the kid next door say, I'm watching football and now I'm going to go throw a football. That connection never really happened oh, for yeah. me. I get it. I get it. Whereas like if you saw Star Wars, you'd want to go out and do some Star Wars. Right. Or like you see you a see, Kung Fu movie, you want to go do some kicking. Yeah. And like that, yes, that happened. But the thing with sports never really connected. And it, like I said, it's not like I was especially bad at it. I can throw and catch a ball just fine, but I'm not practiced the way that other people are practiced. And you know, I don't, I don't really know. There's one story I'll tell. I, I was the kid who I was already, you know, I was already short. I was not like athletically inclined. So in PE class, like if there was a way to kind of get out of having to, to play the game, you know, if we were like, oh, we're going to be going out and playing football. Like I would show up to the, to the field already thinking, great. I don't really know how to throw a football. I don't know how to catch a football. I'm smaller than everybody else here. So if I get tackled, and we played tackle football, like with no padding or anything, because this was the dawn of time. And like, I was already super intimidated by that. And I was Mm -hmm. setting myself up for failure. And the coach who was an ex Miami Dolphins, you know, uh, like footballer, um, these were not the and, – and, and kids that were all bigger than me and faster and had been playing football with their dads every day forever. I, I was I was already being picked on enough. Like, great, now I've got to go and, you know, try and play football with these guys who would jump at the chance at the encouragement of the coach to, you know, single me out as being the kid that couldn't play football. So, like, if I didn't – if I could find a way to, like, not dress out – you know, like oh, I would, totally. I would no, try to not, you know, to not do that. Or like if they said, well, if you don't want to play football, like go run some laps. Like I could run. I mean, I could really run. And, uh, and I loved running. I was not like track and field, but like jogging and, and running and stuff. I did that for years. And I remember one time, of course, you know, like I didn't, I didn't want to participate. Well, why? Because of years of being picked on for trying to participate and sucking. So I didn't want to participate. And the coach is like, all right. You, you, you know, you, you want to go back in, you can go back in. I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to throw you a pass and with this football. And if you catch it, you can go ahead and dress back in. I was like, well, <laughs> what have I got to lose? Right. So he's like, I, you know how to run a route? I'm like, well, I'm watching a football. I'm like, yeah, I know how to run around. He's like, all right, run out to the 50 cut left. And I'll, you know, I'll throw it to you. I said, all right. All everyone's laughing. Everyone's sitting there, like ready to watch. You know, watch me uh, crash and burn. So I, I run out there, run out to the fifty, cut left, look up. Well, this guy knew how to throw a football. I mean, he used to be on the Miami Dolphins. So throws perfect, and I put my hands out and I catch it. I've never really caught a football like that in my whole life. I don't know how it happened. I, I credit him, not me. I was in the right place where he wanted me to be. And I caught it back and I ran back and I chucked it to him, went and dressed back out. No one believed it, especially me. 
And by the way, that that's the only <laughs> time something like that ever happened for me. But you know, what a great it, feeling though. It, it was, but something clicked for me at that time. I was like, God damn it! I wish I was good at this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> consistently because sports are fun because you could get that feeling of like, what if I had been playing in a game that mattered and I had caught it and run a touchdown and like, that's fun. You know, I didn't want to miss out on that kind of stuff. That was really cool. But you know, it, it's like, how do you get your kids interested in this? If they're not interested in it, it, how do you replicate that feeling and give them that feeling if they're just not that motivated to do it, you're talking about the different, you know, you want the doors to be open for your kid. They have to want to do it though. And I don't know how to get them to want to do it. Well, yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, to, to learn if you like anything takes a while because almost everything's annoying at first or, you know, or it seems random or in the case of like, she's, she's done some um, like martial arts classes where it's, you know, it's much stricter. I imagine by her perception, certainly by mine, it's much stricter than it would be at home. Like you're expected to, you know, behave exactly in a certain way, which is kind of jarring. I remember feeling that way when I would take music classes as a kid. I hated it. It seemed so regimented, you know? So that was my, my first reaction was, wow, these guys are all jerks. Everybody here, everybody here is bossy. This is hard to do. It's not fun. These songs are dorky, you know? Yeah. But, but if you stick with that for a <laughs> while and you get that chance to catch that pass, then it does become more interesting to you. You realize that you're capable. You realize that it's fun. And, you know, you know, and the first time you, you know, f- hear applause or hear somebody like, um, who's, you know, a, you know, applauding you in whatever way, clapping or otherwise for having done something great. It's a really great feeling. And that, that in itself is kind of addictive. It's just that, you know, there's a, there's a sunk cost associated with doing any kind of sports thing or any kind of activity. But, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Because then there are some kids who just seem, there are some kids who just, you can just tell that they just love dancing and they want to dance all the time. Maybe they're not going to become professional dancers, but some little kids dance, some little kids don't, right? Like some little kids like just want to play chess and no one knows why. But not, not everybody's like that. I mean, it's, it's hard to find, uh, as, uh, as we say on Roderick on the Line, to find your duck. Like what is the thing that, that you know, you're going to end up really enjoying doing? We should take a break for you to tell me about something that you like. I would like to tell you about Linda. We've told you about them before, but we will tell you about them again because they're pretty awesome. It's an easy and affordable way to help individuals learn. You can stream instantly thousands of courses created by experts on uh, all kinds of software, business, web development, graphic design. I mean, they work with industry experts to do uh, these courses that really are, are just, in my opinion, one of the best ways to learn stuff. I mean, I used to do screencasting uh, for a living. And, you know, the challenge of making a good course, something that's going to teach people at the right level is it's it's really tough. Uh, But it doesn't matter if you're a beginner, if you're advanced, because Linda's got this figured out. You learn uh, the way that suits you. You want to sit down and and watch something for five or ten minutes? You can. You want to sit down and watch ten courses in a row? That's fine. They break all these things up into little bite-sized chunks and you get access to all of them. You pay 25 bucks a month, unlimited access to over 100,000 video tutorials. And if you're a premium member, that means you have an annual plan. You can download the courses to your iPhone, your iPad, your Android device. You watch it offline on your terms, wherever you are, on an airplane or whatever. I mean, imagine that. Imagine getting on a plane and uh, by the end of the plane right now, you know, you know, how do you, I always say Final Cut Pro because that's what I'm, I've been learning on Linda. Uh, you know, they've got some new courses. I was just looking at this this morning. They've got one on logo design techniques. They've got one on Adobe Illustrator, how to use Illustrator to work with AutoCAD files. Like you name it, it, it's, it's there and you can learn it. They've got 
you know, courses that you and I would be like, oh, who needs that? A lot of people need these courses. Like here's one, Outlook for Mac, first look. Well, they just came out, Microsoft just came out with a brand new version of Outlook days ago. They have a course on it that's walking you through using it. Here's what's changed. Well, you've already got access to everything. If your work is saying, guess what? You're going to use the new Outlook. We've got Exchange. Well, this is the best way to learn. You want to sit down and, and like read books on this? Well, guess what? You can learn the same thing in like two minutes on one of their courses. Anyway, you need to go check this out. Lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com slash back to work is the URL to go to. What will that get you? Perhaps you will get seven days free where you can watch every single video on the site. You, you know what? Take it. Here's what I think you should do. There, you're going to have to run with this. I'm just an idea guy. You go and you take a vacation, take seven days off work, mm-hmm. and you spend the entire seven days watching the videos. You'll come back to work. You will have like tons and tons of new skills. People are like, how'd you do it? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I watched some videos. On my it's like, a, it's like a, a secret um, professional boot camp. Boot camp. A boot camp. A boot. A check a boot camp. You you emerge a lean, mean, Final Cut Pro machine. That's right. And everybody's like, "What happened? Who are Imagine. you? Who's this guy?" Classic misdirection. Love it. It's a great service. They've got a, a one up and running with the Nikon D six hundred and D six ten. Learn how to use your camera. Go l- figure out your camera. Linda dot com slash back to work. We'll give you that free seven-day trial. Thanks very much to Linda for supporting Merlin Mann and back to work. Five by five. <laughs> I'm just filling in the spots. Dude. Are you sure I never had you or showed you this uh, Apollo Robbins? On, I, I, on, uh, I, I put it into the show notes. I'm going to watch it as soon as the show's over. It looks Yeah, it looks no, we should to watch it together as soon as we wrap this thing up. Yeah. You got to watch this. Let's it's, do it's, it. it's, 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 it's bananas. It's totally bananas. So we got clowns. Uh, what is it? Rogue Walrus. Yep. Yeah. We got the um, footballs. Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean, do uh, you, you, you talked about watching uh, the World Series. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm always surprised because, like, in the, the World Series is such an exciting event. And that people who don't normally have interest in sports get very interested in the World Series or the NFL playoffs and things like that. And, of course, it's always better when it's like your team or the team that, that, uh, of the town you live in. Mm-hmm. But I was explaining, uh, you know, like my, my son knows very, very clearly that we as a family and he specifically are, are Eagles fans. This is football. Yes, and he knows the different uniforms that they have. And it's interesting to me that he knows now that there are, you know, anytime the Eagles play, obviously you want them to, to win. But he's learning that now, in, even in a game where the Eagles are not playing, that there are still teams that we want to win or lose. And this is, it's this interesting, I don't know if it's a tribal thing, if that's where sports always comes from, but there's this like us and them thing that's very deeply ingrained in the human psyche somehow. Oh yeah. I mean, for it to be interesting, it's like in wrestling, you got faces and heels. Like you've got to have, you know, the baby face and then the bad guy. And I, I mean, you know, Star Wars wouldn't be as fun if it didn't have such good villains. Mm-hmm. Like you've, you've got to have the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Yankees out there 
uh, for everybody to root against. And so, you know, <laughs> but no, that's part of it. And you really see that in baseball. Like when I would follow the daily, what do they call it, the box scores, but where I would follow that every day and go like, oh, you know, half a game here, half a game there. Now the Reds are in second place. Now you start rooting for other people to lose because then that has an effect. You know what I mean? That, that's, I think, when you start getting really into, this, into the whole system is it's not just that I want my team to win. I want the other teams to lose. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, last night there was, uh, there was a game uh, the Giants were playing the Colts. Well, I want the Giants to lose. It's not because I like the Colts, but it's because the Giants are in the NFC East and so are the Eagles. And uh, a, a loss of another team in the NFC East mean, is, is good for me as an Eagles fan. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. dislike the team per se, but I, I want I I would like for them to lose. You know, it's that it's that kind of thing. Um, sure, and it's it's funny because I think there's been all these psychological tests that you've you know we've talked about on the show where you know they take the kids with the blue eyes and the ones with the brown. And they say you know the if you have blue eyes you 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 are better you know and they they do better on tests and the kids with the brown eyes do worse and you've heard about that kind of thing right. Yeah. Uh, I, that kind of thing is just, it's so, it's so weird to me and it's amazing how natural it is for human beings to kind of take sides. This hmm. just seems weird. Don't, you don't think it is? I'm just trying to follow the threads here. Um, the, well, what I would say is, uh, going back to being a wimp is that I think it's, it's, well, it's certainly natural for anybody to want to do better rather than worse for themselves and ditto for their tribe or their team or their whatever. I think the interesting I've real the interesting thing that I've realized as a nerd is that you know I like to think that I'm not competitive, but what I really like the truth is that I'm just not competitive at the things I know I can't compete at, and I'm probably extremely competitive at the things I have a chance at. You, you know what I mean? Totally. And so, like part of that's part of the art of war, I guess, is figuring out which stuff you you can win. But um, you know, I guess the ultimate admiration I would have would be for somebody to be extremely competitive in something they don't have a prayer in. Like that's that's somebody that you'd really, you know, kind of want to root for, but um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. It could could be a tribal thing. I think it's also just you know, I mean, we don't have that many community things in our lives anymore. Um, not, I mean, obviously, it differs hugely from person to person. This is something people have been talking about in, you know, sociology, social psychology for you know a quarter of a century now. Is like how many fewer institutional community events you know, many of us have in our life. Fewer and, pe- fewer and fewer people are going to organized, you know, religious um, houses of worship. You know, fewer people uh, maybe are involved in things like bowling leagues and things like that. My parents both bowled, you know, a couple times a week when I was a kid, played bridge, um, bridge club. There was all kinds of things like that. Just in my own life, uh, you know, we obviously we had, we went to church, I think three times a week when I was a kid just because it was fun and there was like hangout time and stuff. So, I mean, I think it's really natural. And now, you know, this is just me as an outsider today. I think a lot of people now find that kind of, as they always have, they find that kind of commonality in things like sports and regional sports stuff. Uh, Some people find it in nationalism. And I think a lot of people today find it in politics. They find people who, um, who see the world or, you know, claim to see the world in the same way that they do. And, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember politics, even in my 20s, seeming like quite this much of a polarizing identity issue as it is today, for all the best and worst reasons. But um, 
I, I just don't think there's that as many opportunities anymore. I mean, people don't even know how to wait in a damn line anymore, let alone like, you know, how to show up with a covered dish. I it just, I don't think there's as many opportunities for that. And now, I mean, even in our circles, think about like, I listen to uh, something like The Incomparable because it's a bunch of people who watch the same TV shows, right. read, read the same books, see the same movies that I do. That becomes a, a thing. You could be somebody who's LARPing or a cosplayer. You could be somebody who is, you know, really into this particular doctor and Doctor Who. Like, there's all kinds of opportunities that the internet affords to find people like that. But, you know, the, the big leap then, obviously, is, is to turn that into something where you are doing stuff with people in real life, which, you know, it's a lot more time-consuming. And, and a lot less natural, you know? It's just, I've said this before, but, like, I remember being in college and just feeling like all I would do is walk out my door, walk to check my P.O. box, and I would see, like, 100 people that I knew. And you could have casual, you know hangouts in a way that it's very difficult to do once you live in a suburb or in an urban area. You've got to do a lot more upfront planning and follow through and stuff like that. So I'm, boy, I didn't mean to change the topic. No, but, it's um, a good, that's a good one. It, it's, you gotta, you've got to really, it's, it's got to be very intentional nowadays. And so I think it's very natural for us to have easy, not easy things. And I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be dismissive, but it, it's much more natural to say like, well, here's this group of people who all feel the same way about Barack Obama as, as me as I do, you know, for better or for worse. You know, all these people feel the same way about the Yankees as I do, or or whatever. And, you know, that's enough. It's like that old, um, what's his name? Um, the guy from Everybody Loves Raymond. You know, uh, when he's on Dr. Katz talking about when you're a little kid, all you really need to be friends with somebody is like, you like candy? I like candy. Oh my God, we both <laughs> like candy. And in some ways, that's really all it takes today because that's all the depth of that relationship that you need is to know you feel you feel like Obama's not really American. Oh my God, high five. We both like candy. Like, and now we have this common ground and then we can extrapolate a lot about what the rest of our life is like based on just that one fact. Um, you know, and, and for men especially, uh, as long as I'm being an armchair psychologist, I, I think men... Um, we talked about this a lot on Roderick on the Line. I think one reason CNN and Fox are blaring at every airport and restaurant and public space in America is people don't like being alone with their thoughts. They don't like feeling alone. And to have something blaring at them that can, you know, fill the time and make them feel a certain way is very welcoming to a lot of people. Now that's, a a really, that's a really good point. Which one? The, that that people don't like to be alone with their thoughts. And that's that, the only explanation I can come up with. I mean, that's actually the most charitable explanation I can come up with for why there has to be five television sets in a restaurant. It's just it's that that ha, that has that's happened like in the last decade. It's so bewildering to me how many places you can't get away from media. You know, and this, maybe this is me. I'm a weirdo, right? Like, I understand if it's a sports bar because the whole point of going there is to be able to see what's happening in different games and from one location. But it seems so strange to me to like want to go out to eat, which I think of as a social thing. To want to go out to eat and then be competing with a TV showing golf or something. It seems so strange to me. Yeah, I mean, it's like I'm thinking of a couple of restaurants just down the street from here where, you know, one of them you... You're outside. For the most part, you can sit inside if you want. There's no TVs. They have these nice, simple white uh, interior with a couple of tables outside. And it typically, they, they make really, really great food there. It's, I would say, 80 to 90% women there eating. Not because it, the food caters to women in any way. It's, you know, it's like tacos and Mexican food and it, it's great. 
And then there's a place not too far from there where they've got a bunch of TVs that are usually showing, like you're saying, you know, their ESPN or their, if there's a game on, they've got it and they, they'll have all the games on. And it's not a sports bar. It's not a sports place in any way. It's just that's what's always on the TVs in there. And it's significantly more male. You know, you will see that's where hmm. the guys will go uh, on at, at lunch. There are women there too, but it's typically, you know, way more guys. Is that a subconscious thing? I I don't know, but it's consistent. We eat at these places frequently enough that I've noticed this, consciously noticed it. And it's not the location because they're close to one another. You know what I mean? It's Right, right, right. But it's like well, – it, and it's not guys sitting by themselves watching the game either. It will be a group of guys and they'll they'll be <laughs> sitting there not talking to each other, all looking over the other person's shoulder at so whatever's weird. up there on the TV. That's so strange to me. But but as I sit here, though, I, I mean, I have to, you know, realize and confess that I am a West Coast liberal with soft hands, and I have public radio on a lot of the day. <laughs> I'll be listening to two different public radio stations a lot throughout yeah. the day. And when I'm not, I'm listening to, what, Radio Lab, This American Life, On the Media, all of these podcasts, the, these great public radio podcasts that I love. Um but you know, but you know that's that's my little companion, I guess, and it really has been. It's funny because you know Tom Maliazzi uh, died yesterday. Such a sad thing. The uh, one of the guys from Car Talk. I have not listened to or enjoyed Car Talk in well over a decade. Um, just kind of stopped being for me. But I will tell you that like that was maybe maybe might have been fresh air. Might have been. A classical thing. The first radio public radio show I ever remember making a point to listen to on a schedule was Car Talk. And that kind of kicked off my now like 25-year love affair with public radio. And uh, it's, it's just kind of interesting though because like I can sit here and go like, oh, you know, you losers in your baseball cast just sit around and watch sports ball all day. But I'm the same way. It's just, it's just people, you know, speaking gently about uh, gerrymandering and uh, cellos, you know? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. People are really perplexing. That's that's kind of what it comes down to. I mean, the more the more you really try to understand other people, the more you realize that every one of those people is actually so different. And like the greatest trick the devil devil ever pulled was making us think that people were really that alike in some ways. On the one hand, oh my God, we're just so much alike. We really are. We're we're basically chimps with sobs by and large. But at the same time, we are so vastly different in all these little ways that can be very grating or seem very odd. You know, you, you have found yourself wondering why there's a certain color of lamp in someone's house. Like I, I, I have had, I've done things that are 10 times weirder than that. But uh, it, is, it, is, it is kind of a funny thing. And I think it never gets that much easier. It just, I think it does help to just accept and realize Again, this is for me, this should be just like the slogan of the show for the last year. It's just to realize that, like, sometimes there's stuff that goes on in the world that's just difficult to understand. Um, and especially with other people, like, some people are just kind of the way they are. And, like, and, and you know, as far as the sports stuff, like I say, you know, sports is about family for a lot of people. It's not really about happening to like the colors orange and black. It's that you remember the day that you caught that football, or you remember the day that you met Steve Garvey, or you remember driving around the car and listening, you know, in my case, to the Reds on the radio. And that, you know, those are all complicated connections. So, you know, maybe if you're going to enjoy a plate of uh, nachos, I guess sports is as good as anything. Mm -hmm. It's just super depressing, though. Did you have anything else you wanted to tell me about? Last thing, Verona, Verona Stay to Anywhere. It's the fastest way to make your company's own network shares work just like Dropbox. And that's 
pretty much it in a nutshell. You've, you work in a, in a place where there are servers, there's a NAS, you've got shares, you've got this data that's yours that you want to keep secure and protected and, uh, and, and yet still make it available to the people who aren't in the physical office, the people who are out and about telecommuting, working from home on a sales call, whatever. You want to give them access to these files and you want to monitor and control the access to these files and you want to keep the existing permissions. Well, that is what Data Anywhere lets you do. It'll sync with Windows and has all the syncing stuff that you like with Dropbox. But like, keep in mind, this is your own stuff. You're not uploading it to some other infrastructure. It's your own. Uh, again, sync with Windows, Mac OS, uh, iOS, Android, and installs in 30 minutes. And you're going to get uh, 30 days with an unlimited amount of users. If you go to this special URL, it's veronis.com slash back to work, V-A-R-O-N-I-S, veronis.com slash back to work, installs in 30 minutes, gives people the same kind of access that, uh, that you enjoy, but under your control. So go check it out. Thanks very much to Veronis for sponsoring this episode of Back to Work. Thanks, Veronis. Bok, bok. Thank you, Easter Bunny. Thanks, Easter Bunny. <laughs> That's the best commercial. Yeah. He's it's sitting there in a the little, huh? little outfit, bok, little, bok. dressed up as a little chick or a chicken or something. Was it yellow yeah. or white? Uh, you mean like the uh, same way you look at peaches? I think it was uh, probably yellow. I think it was a canonical chick. Mm. I was trying to remember all my daughter's uh, yeah, yeah, thank costumes, you, costumes the other day, and she's now had you know seven of them, and it was weird because it was the first time where I had to like sit there and kind of mentally go through the array of like, okay, you were a tomato, and then you were a fufa, and then you were a ladybug girl. And it was it was weird though because like I can't believe there's been seven now, Wolverine, um, Captain America, what else? Hermione Granger, pretty crazy. That's all. I mean, that's it's interesting how they change from when you as a parent are <laughs> are picking the costume to when they are are picking the costume. Oh my gosh, yes. We dodged a bullet on the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, but luckily her teacher. Uh, came as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. So she got a little, got her fill of that. It's amazing that that's the stuff that's still popular. You I know, know I know. I, I didn't even know it was like still out there. It's like, so, like, it's as, big. As with the Power Rangers. I didn't know though. I mean, I knew it was kind of around, I guess. I knew there was a cartoon, but I don't even know, like what is the canonical Mutant Ninja Turtles? It's like a comic book, right? It started as a comic book. I was about uh, 10 or 11 years old. They were um, Eastman and Laird drawing black and white Wow. Comic books and they became kind of popular and then really, really popular. And then but there it wasn't was, a kid's thing, right? I, you know, I don't think when it started, it was intended for kids. But by the time that it became a Saturday morning cartoon and then the like video a Hasbro property. Or yeah. And, and then a video game in Don Carter's All Star Lanes, you know, it was very much for kids and it's pretty much stayed for kids. But then they came out, they've come out with multiple different cartoon series and there's one now that uh that is a computer animated one and it's it's reminiscent of the original and i showed my kids the original one because they watch this current one all the time oh my gosh and like yeah dad that's not really that cool i bet it looked really primitive yeah that was pretty bad my my um my niece who's now in her mid to late 20s uh very very sweetly gave my daughter all of her original old my little ponies and like you, putting an old My Little Pony next to a new one is hilarious. It looks like they have a, like a gland problem. And the, <laughs> the, the new ones are so Hollywood looking. It's really, really strange. It's so weird. Yeah, the stuff we looked at when we were kids was so, so janky. 
Manchichi. Mm. Manchichi, Manchichi. All right. What do you say? Should we button this up? Let's do it. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.